Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Daddy Unscripted's. We're here alone together. My little side project from the main podcast of Daddy Unscripted going down the road of talking with people from all over the world, from all different walks of life about what they are doing, what they are doing. There it is. The first what as they are living their new lives what that may mean wherever they are, whether that's self-quarantining, whether it is sheltering in place, whether it is a lifted restriction. So just kind of talking with different people and it's really cool. I've loved this idea because it's enabling me to talk to people that are not just dads and something that I said to Billy as we were talking in the episode about me kind of sort of being painted into a corner by my podcast of just mainly talking with dads. This has given me as fabulous as that is. I'm not going to talk crap on that at all because I love talking with all the other dads that I'm talking with. But the open door now of talking to moms, non-parents, what other groupings can I give like non-parents and moms and dads like that's what it is parent there are two kinds of people in this world parents and non-parents I guess Uh, even though that's not really the full breakdown don't trash me anywhere for saying that but this conversation with Billy Weiss who is the senior photographer for the Boston Red Sox amongst so many other things that he documents. I mean, he is at the Super Bowl photographing the Patriots. He is in other countries taking photos of events, whether they're sporting events or other things. He does shoot weddings. I've seen some of his beautiful photos of engagements and weddings. So he is an amazing photographer I tried to hold back a little bit in how much showering of praise I did on the podcast of him, but it is 100% sincere. It is not put on at all because he was a guest on the podcast. I absolutely love Billy's work. I have been following him for years and was as I said in the podcast, so thrilled when the Red Sox started migrating all the more to his work, to his art form. And if any of you are listening and you are VIP ticket holders or somebody who has the book that Billy and I talked about in this episode, I would love to borrow it or for you to just send me pictures of every page or something. Oh my God, I can't imagine having my hands on that book. I really don't understand why there weren't more made not to diss the Red Sox and their thoughts on not making this widely published, but I need that book. I need it. Need it. It's kind of one of those things that I just have to have in my life. So I'm just putting that out there into the universe in case anybody wants me to wants to send that my way. 
anyway, I am extremely excited for you guys to hear this conversation. We were able to have this conversation today on the Friday before Memorial Day, just to give you a little bit of perspective on what's what was going on in the world. And, and there still was no baseball. So I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but that was what was going on at that time. I will say, even though it recorded at that point before Memorial Day when there was no baseball, this is now coming out in the summer. Baseball has already been going on for quite some time. The Red Sox are sucking and baseball has been happening very oddly. There have been at least three teams that have been pretty severely affected by covid a lot has been going on already, so some of this may seem a little bit funky, but I like that it is recorded before that time because it had still a little more hope, and I think I um, it kept me from having as much um, slander towards the season taking place and definitely less of my fury that I feel towards the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, at this point now that the summer has been going on for a little while. So I just wanted to give you that little snippet right here. Before I get too far, I just want to remind you that Daddy Unscripted could not be more excited and proud to be a part of Osiris Media and what that means to the podcast. I love being a part of such a great media and podcast group. I will tell you, for you people who are listening to this and coming to this for the first time, Osiris Media continues to bring you podcasts and other things like videos, like YouTube live videos and pre-show roles and all these kind of things. And it is based upon music and culture. With that said, I have had multiple baseball related guests on my podcast. So for those of you, maybe Red Sox fans or something coming on, go back into my Daddy Unscripted episodes. I had the pleasure of recording with Ryan Dempster um, some time ago. I recorded with David Newhan for you, Boston Red Sox fans. He is the person that hit that inside the park home run that Manny Ramirez botched so badly in the outfield in 2004, amazingly, and uh, Manny Ramirez cutting off Johnny Damon's throw. And oh, that was David Newhan. So I've had him on my podcast. I've also had his dad, uh, Ross Newhan, who is a in the Hall of Fame as a baseball writer on the podcast. And there are also other podcasts in Osiris that have touched on baseball to name a couple because there are some that have done this recently. The Beyond the Pond podcast had pitcher Sean Doolittle, World Series champion and the Washington Nationals closer Sean Doolittle. That same one was on for two episodes with the Beyond the Pond guys. So check out Beyond the Pond and find that episode that came out in March of this year. And then recently in May, the Road to Now podcast, which is Bob Crawford and Ben Sawyer, they had Jason Stark on and they talked about 
the history of baseball and talked about a lot of things from baseball persevering through a lot of these difficult times in America's history. And so a very poignant time for them to be talking with Jason Stark, who covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic. So make sure you find the Road to Now podcast for that conversation with Jason Stark. As we're talking about Osiris, I will remind you that Osiris is partnered with Jambase. Go to jambase.com to find music that is currently streaming in multitudes of areas and ways from bands and musicians for you to be able to still get that fix for live music that so many of us need in our lives. I just want to take a minute to tell you guys, the global health crisis we're facing right now has threatened the livelihood and mental health of countless musicians. Backline is the music industry's mental health and wellness resource hub, and their work is more vital right now than it ever has been. It was launched in 2019, and Backline aims to give artists, crew, their families, quick and easy access to mental health and wellness resources. Backline is currently hosting virtual support groups as well as yoga, meditation, and breathwork sessions. Osiris is very proud to partner with Backline. I'm so excited that we are partnered with them. To donate and learn more or get in touch for personalized care, visit backline.care really cool organization and i remember being so happy that they created that i want to say that it was created not too long after there were some suicides that ended up taking place that stole some great musicians and great people from all of us last year so make sure you check out backline.care you guys Okay, and the last bit of business is me reminding you that Daddy Unscripted is sponsored by Harry's. Harry's just came out with their sharpest blades ever. And unlike some other razor companies, they are not charging you more for their product improvements. Harry's new sharper blades are still as low as $2 each. You guys know me. Those of you who really know me, you know I hate shaving hate doing it. I've had to shave since I was in seventh grade. No joke. Very unfortunate for me. And I hate doing it. Can't stand shaving. But I unfortunately have to do it. And when I do it, I use Harry's. I've been using them ever since I was traveling for work quite some time ago and found their little travel pack. And it was perfect. So I can very honestly endorse Harry's to you guys, and I don't feel like my nose is growing because I'm telling you the truth. So here is the deal. Remember I mentioned those sharpest blades that they've had ever? The new blades are so sharp that in a study with guys shaving four times a week, which makes me want to shudder, the guys reported that with Harry's new blades, their eighth shave was as smooth as their first. How do they deliver quality at such a low price? Let me tell you, Harry's owns a German factory that's been honing razor blades for 100 years. They source their steel from Sweden. They own the entire manufacturing process from R&D to the factory floor, and this allows them to keep their prices so low. And you can feel confident because they stand by a 100% quality guarantee on harrys.com. 
their blades are still as convenient as ever as you guys are all getting very used to getting things delivered to your homes blades are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription give harry's sharpest blades ever a try harry's has an amazing offer for listeners of daddy unscripted new u.s customers can redeem a harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash daddy you'll get a five blade razor featuring their new sharper blades a weighted handle foaming shave gel with aloe and a travel cover to protect your blade when you're on the go just go to harrys.com backslash daddy and redeem your trial offer today okay now that we're done with the front part of the episode mullet Every episode is like a mullet business in the front and the party is in the back. So we are now in the party section of this episode's mullet. I'm going to get you right into this conversation. Again, check out my website, daddyunscripted.com for more of the show notes from this episode, as well as some of his photos and all the different ways to follow him and see his amazing work that he does but let's get right into this conversation as we're here alone together with Billy Weiss. I'm a little bummed that I'm not giving a plug for you for a photo book that I still think the Red Sox should have made <laughs> of all the photos that went on Cora's wall. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. why that isn't a big, deluxe, awesome picture book. You and me both, brother. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm sure that sucks, too, because you can't like you can't go and make that on your own. So, yeah. So they actually they did make a book for uh, as a gift to season ticket holders and premium suite holders. But they Mm. did not want to do the run to the public. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. So there is a book that exists. uh, If you know any season ticket holders or premium suite holders you can maybe sweet talk one of them into uh <laughs> letting into me borrow it copying one yeah <laughs> yeah uh that's cool i i mean it just makes so much sense there's so many beautiful pictures and for what it represents and everything is just it's a gold mine it was a wild time yeah yeah, yeah. it was um it was a good good record of that year and everything that went into it so it's a cool yeah. one for sure uh, wild that he came up with that idea early on and how that ended up just playing perfectly into that the whole thing yeah you know it's thinking beyond the field he's thinking like a marketing guy like thinking like one of us <laughs> yeah all right we are here today i'm super jazzed about uh, my guest today this is billy weiss who you may see on social media and everything as BJ Weiss. You may be more used to seeing his name that way. But Billy is the, I mean, God, I was going to say, like you are the main photographer for the Red Sox, but it's so much more than that. So I'll say welcome. Thank you for being on. And then I'll let you kind of shout out everything that you are doing. Hey, Tim, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I, uh, I've been thinking about changing my username on Instagram mm. just because I get a lot of confusion about the BJ Weiss versus Billy Weiss. Like my name is William. I've always gone by Billy, never ever in my life gone by BJ, but I get a lot of people reaching out to me, calling me BJ because I think 
they get misled by the username. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I need to uh, give it some thought if I need to, if I need to switch that up or not, but I'm sure it's a pain, but that's a good way for you to have like a visual or our role way to know who are your VIP people. Like if you're calling me BJ out on the street, I know that you've just seen my social media stuff, but if you're calling me Billy, then maybe you know me. You know me for who I actually am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you call me William, I'm in trouble. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So what would, if you have, I don't know if you even have a business card, but if you had a business card, what is like the title that is on it? Yeah. So I do have a business card. It's a senior manager of photography for the Boston Red Sox. Mm, nice. And I mean, again, that's not where that ends. You do photography for so many other groups and for individuals and traveling all over the world, capturing moments and events and whatnot. So uh, I know I've always, as a fellow photographer, I've always loved your work. I really was, as a Red Sox fan, I was so excited when I first saw them using your work and I like immediately had to find who this photographer was and followed you and everything. And it just said so much about the smarts of them kind of moving up from photos from, you know, that look just like stock photos to bringing in somebody and then you kind of making that you can kind of see you're giving yourself more license to think more outside of the box and get more artsy. I don't, I don't know what other way to say it, but um, it, it truly is artistic how you are capturing all these things. And it is not absolutely not the eighties and nineties baseball <laughs> photography that I'm used to from my childhood. So Right. That's the kind of the mentality I go in with is not just shooting stock, basically, not just shooting players throwing and hitting and running, um, which I do, of course, have to do. And it's a big part of my job. But, you know, there's so much more that happens and there's so many stories to tell beyond just what's happening, you know, between the lines on the field during the game. And so try and kind of tell the story of the team, showcase the personalities of the players, you know, give fans kind of a unique look because I have the access that nobody else does to everything else that's happening at Fenway uh, and with the players. So it's, it's more than just the game action and getting those baseball card type photos. It's kind of painting a picture of our team, our franchise, our ballpark, and our players in an artistic, hopefully beautiful way. Yeah. And you, how old are you? I'm 30. So when you were a kid, then thinking back, you know, 20 years ago, or even potentially more, were you growing up as a baseball fan? Absolutely. Baseball was my, yeah, my first love, I guess you could say, you know, I mean, I, I played from five years old on, I watched all the time. I went to the games. I loved it. Yeah. From the beginning. Cool. And is that happening out there in Boston? So I grew up in Baltimore outside of Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so were you an Orioles fan? I was and still, still oh. am, you know, through thick oh. and thin have to be. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So, but when I, when I grew up watching the Orioles in the nineties, they were great. 
you know? Yeah. And it was awesome going to Camden Yards, a beautiful new stadium. And, the, you know, I was grew up on Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray yeah. and all that. And it was awesome. So obviously things kind of have changed over the years, but as you know, that, the, that initial stage of, of childhood where you fall in love with baseball, it was the nineties Orioles that kind of captivated me and it was awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what got it all started. Gosh, I, I, I'm thinking of kids that are super into baseball now that are living in Baltimore (laughs) and the pain, like they need to have a little web group for kids that are in um, towns like that, that are just suffering the pain. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I think about kids that are growing up here in new England who have not lived a year of their lives without yeah. having a championship parade on Boylston street, you know, yeah. the imbalance yeah. there is uh, pretty wild. Yeah. The, uh, spoiled group. Uh, I mean, even for adults, like if you're a, a sports fan of any team in Boston, basically the amount of expectation that everybody has year in and year out, like the, I mean, the people that are already, going absolutely crazy over a Patriots season that hasn't even started yet right right now is, is laughable. Right. Right. But yeah. So you then are a kid that is a big baseball fan and you do all your schooling and everything. When you went into college, when did photography start for you and tell the path of you leading into the Red Sox organization. Yeah. So graduate high school in high school, I had taken a couple of the photography classes that they had in high school. And that was intro to darkroom photography, you know, basic film photography. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. You know, I just loved it. And it was something that came naturally to me. It felt easy. It felt enjoyable. You know, I wasn't a bad student by any means, but I wasn't great when it came to most of the other things like math and science and all that type of stuff. Um, And it just kind of felt right. Now at the time I didn't think I wasn't sure that that was going to be my career. You know, I wasn't pursuing a career in photography at that point, but I knew that I enjoyed it at a basic level. And so, yeah, I went to Goucher college, which is a small liberal arts college outside of Baltimore. And, um, you know, I was a communications major, which is a very broad major, especially at a liberal arts college. There's a million kind of ways you can you can take that, but um, decided to just take whatever photography classes were available in uh, in at, at Goucher, and you know, really, really continued to love it, continued to enjoy it, and quickly, pretty quickly into my my college days, I joined the student newspaper, mm. and I joined the student newspaper you know, I was all of a sudden kind of out there shooting every single day and shooting pretty much anything that happened on campus. So not just sports, but, you know, the student events that were happening, guest speakers, lectures, portraits of faculty and staff, really like anything I could get my hands on. And that kind of gave me like a, you know, like a sense of purpose with the photography, a sense of direction, not just shooting or to make art or whatever, there was actually deadlines to hit Mm -hmm. um, and stories that, you know, storylines that I had to follow and kind of show. So it kind of was the first step in 
you know, actually putting it down to a purpose, not just kind of aimlessly shooting because I enjoyed it. Yeah. And were you doing that digitally or were you doing that on film? So the newspaper was digital. The classes were okay. all film. So okay. uh, funny. trying to apply the principles from film, but figure out the digital thing on my own. <laughs> right. Basic level. So I was able to build up, you know, at least what I thought at the time was a good enough portfolio and decided to start applying for some internships related to photography based on the, the images that I'd made in college. And my sophomore year, I applied to the photography internship with the Baltimore Orioles and um, was lucky enough to get an interview. You know, to this day, I still joke with uh, the Orioles team photographer who was still there, who hired me, you know, uh-huh. 10 or 15 years ago. And, and like, I don't know what you saw, but <laughs> thank you because you, you kind of started it all for me. Um, so we still have a good laugh about that, but had a, had an interview, had a good interview and um, was offered the the photo internship with the Orioles for the summer of 2009. Oh, cool. And so when you were doing that, are you doing that? Like, are you full access as an intern or was there restrictions that you're working with at that point? Relatively full access. I mean, I was under okay. you know, heavy, heavy guidance of the team photographer yeah. being so green and so new. Uh, you know, when I think back on it, I was like 19 at the time, you know, mm-hmm. 20, like, so, but that was really, you know, very quickly into that internship was when I, realized for sure that that was what I wanted to pursue as a career. It was, it was validation for me pretty much right away that, you know, this is what I want to do. I love sports, you know, I love photography. I want to somehow figure out a way to, to combine these two. And so that was kind of the, the catalyst that, that started it all for me. Hmm. So that's cool. That's, that totally resonates with me because that's when, when I was starting to do concert photography, that was the exact same thing I said. I mm-hmm. love music. I love photography. Why am I not combining these? And that's so easy to do and just kind of started doing the same thing. So yeah, it's cool to be able to have a medium that is something that you're so passionate about that enables you to kind of combine different things that you are in love with. Yeah. It just, and it feels natural. It doesn't feel like work, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're passionate about what you're shooting. It doesn't feel like work. It just feels like it's a treat to be there and <laughs> be able to see all these cool things. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, that was, um, that was junior year, um, did another internship the next year, uh, with the Baltimore sun, which is a daily newspaper in Baltimore kind of more on like a news photojournalistic side of things, uh, but a great year of experience, just, you know, figuring out how to tell good stories. Um, and, you know, after I graduated, I had, um, I had been offered like a, a, a second year with the Orioles as a, as an assistant, like a part-time assistant. Hmm. So I worked with them for a second year. So I worked with the Orioles in 2009 as an intern. And then again, in 2011 as um, an assistant. And during that year in 2011, uh, I ended up meeting the Red Sox team photographer at the time who had come down with the team for a trip to Baltimore to shoot, you know, shoot the games. Um, and, you know, we, we struck up a, a conversation and a, and a relationship that we kept in touch over that winter. And I actually found out that the Red Sox also offered 
a photography internship, kind of similar to what I had done with the Orioles. Um, and, you know, I graduated, I had always thought about kind of being in Boston and, um, I decided to apply for the internship and, and, you know, got the offer. And so that's, that's really what started it all for me in 2012 was the Mm. photo internship with the Sox. And then was that, was the photographer at that time kind of thinking it was moving on time for them soon or not at the time. Um, he's, uh, he's still there at the Red Sox. He was, um, okay. He's kind of, we kind of did a, a transition within our department. So he does some really cool stuff now with uh, virtual reality and um, 360 video and that kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. augmented reality. So, you know, as the, as the times have kind of evolved, so has our department and, you know, he kind of took on that role. And so over time there, you know, I kind of was there and I was kind of the natural progression to fill into the photography role. Yeah. But he was somebody, he is somebody who is a mentor to me and a friend to me. And, you know, I, I owe so much of where I am now to, to him and his, his friendship and his, you know, expertise that he's passed on to me. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. And then, so what is the first year that you're kind of at the helm of photography for them? So the first year of that would be 2018, actually. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But it had it, it had taken a couple steps between 2012 and then, you know, mm-hmm. in, in 13, I was after after 2012, I was lucky enough to be offered like an assistant role, which was a step up from the intern role. And that was a part time job and then did that for two years. And then in 15, you know, the assistant part-time job became a full-time offer, uh, staff photographer. And then, so it was like 15, 16, 17 as staff photographer. And then we made the switch within our department. And then in 18, it was manager of photography. And then now in 20, it's senior manager. So it's really been the progression from intern to, to where I am now over, you know, over 10 years, nine or 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Seeing you like making that progression and, you know, seeing you being the one that is and like, I don't remember seeing video of you when you were in 2013 or 14 or anything like that. But seeing you last year, maybe or the year before with your group of assistants and potentially interns and all of that Mm -hmm. was cool. Like I've enjoyed seeing what I've seen of your journey and watching it be something where you are kind of the leader of the pack and everything and thinking about that they are having you as somebody they are learning from is I think a great thing for photography and for sports photographers everywhere, as opposed to it being a bunch of people that are still learning from the baseball card stock photographers Mm -hmm. and thinking about what it, I I just think it's so much more um, engaging and interesting for all of us that are fans to be seeing it through this completely different type of eye than what, what I grew up watching for decades, you know, totally. And I think, you know, a big part of that is, is what our, our platform is now, like as 
social has become so prevalent, you know, there's so much need now for that type of stuff. And Mm -hmm. our end goal is not just, uh, prints in a magazine or on a baseball card like there's motion and graphics and all different social networks so it's like there's so much more need for different types of looks you know that's kind of where where our mentality is at when when we're shooting and you know i'll just also say like with our staff and you know my interns and staffers and stuff i was very lucky going through this whole journey that i really really had amazing mentors and teachers uh, who weren't protective about teaching their ways. You know, they, they willingly taught me like all their tips and tricks. And so I just feel like it's, it's part of my responsibility to pay it forward and, you know, show what I can to the younger, you know, generation coming up. So it's a cycle, you know? Yeah. It's a cycle and and you hope to just keep it moving forward. Yeah. And for that to keep, spreading out further and further than just being a microcosm. And I haven't looked at, you know, I don't follow every single baseball team or anything, but the ones that I have looked at, like you can see that some things are starting to change and people are starting to take notice. And that's, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a great thing for not only that sport, but for other sports to potentially start moving and, thinking in a different way about what is again what what engages fans and what kind of makes it 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 just feels like it's a bigger and better bond to me than just you know i i've looked at some of the baseball cards um recently i know i keep saying this but i actually collect cards and i'm just looking through them and i'm like okay every single right-handed batter is just standing there in their batting stance (laughs) and they all like i can show you 50 guys who look exactly the same just in different uniforms and it's it just doesn't do anything no but i guess at the time it did you know it filled the need so it's interesting to see you know generally generationally how how the needs change um, and how the, how the teams have evolved over the past few years to this new yeah. kind of look. So as everything is not happening right now, which is your norm, like right now you would be well into the baseball season and potentially just wrapping up a Bruins parade. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I don't know. I, I might be off a little bit um, time-wise when that would have finished, but what does that mean? How have you been kind of pivoting and coming up with new ways to do your job? It's been an adjustment for sure. I think I've gone through all of the phases of mental states about, <laughs> about yeah. this whole thing. Um, and you know, for me and for other photographers, like we are used to always being out somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, like the reason I love the job the most is because it puts me in front of people and it puts you in exciting events and in the middle of a lot of activity. And then all of a sudden this happens and yeah, there's nothing happening <laughs> yeah. and you can't go anywhere. So for me, it was a real adjustment and kind of took me, I would say a solid month to like really process it and figure out how I was going to 
how I was going to pivot. I mean, those first initial weeks, I was just glued to the couch watching <laughs> CNN, like just in doomsday mode. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I didn't take a single photo. Like for me, it was, it's a, it was a hard you know thing, but then I kind of was like, you know what? I gotta like, I gotta snap out of this funk because this could be a while and I'm not just going to like waste away sitting here on my couch. So um, started to try and think about, you know, ways that I, as you know, could bring my creative abilities, you know, to, of course, to the Red Sox and try and, you know, build content mm-hmm. for, from home, you know, do what we can do from home. Uh, but also, you know, just kind of branch out on my own, you know, my own side of things and, and see what I can do differently and start to build. So, uh, you know, I started a YouTube channel, um, over this past, month or two months. And that's something that I've had in the back of my mind for a while now, but was always kind of just never, never really felt like I had the time to, to dedicate to, to getting it off the ground properly. And, um, yeah, got it off the ground and it's been, it's been kind of a cool transition and and something to kind of like reignite the creative spark in me that was kind of temporarily just derailed, you know? And I saw you did, um, you've done at least some, what are, what are they calling them? Porch photos or patio photos or. Yeah. Front porch projects. So yeah. got a couple of families who've reached out and asked for some family photos, which is awesome too. So yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, and then also I've just done some kind of walking around and shooting for myself or, uh, shooting whatever, you know, sunsets, buildings, my fiance, like anything, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to keep the motions going and, yeah. and stay sharp and I don't kind of, you know, let the cobwebs grow. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and now, you know, things are starting to, to pick back up, especially with the Red Sox. There are some more small scale events happening at Fenway every week. And, you know, things are starting, to, you can feel things kind of starting to, to pick back up again. So mm-hmm. I think the, the worst of it from the creative drought <laughs> is over. <laughs> I hope. Well, th- definitely the benefit being you being able to have that time for your YouTube channel. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, it was really nice to, you know, you don't have time. Like when, when normal life's going on, it's just like you go, 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 yeah. you know, and it was just like the perfect time to do it. There's nothing else going on. And it's also nice to like, you know, really spend time with like my fiance. I haven't been able to see, really anybody else but you know my family is not around like my parents are in baltimore but Mm -hmm. you know just like really spending some time that you know sometimes it feels like we're always just passing each other or both crazy busy or whatever so it's you know you got to look for the for the blessings and all the craziness yeah and what does your fiance do for a living she's a nurse oh god so she is what division does she normally work in yeah so she's a psychiatric nurse at mass gen um, oh gosh! Psychiatric unit, and um, she's, you know, she's been there for three years at Mass Gen. She was, um, you know, a similar unit at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore for five or six years before. So, yeah. So it's been, uh, you know, not great over the past few months. She's had the ups and downs that every other, you know, frontline worker has had, mm-hmm. um, but come out of it, you know, on the on the good end. So. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a wild time for sure. <laughs> yeah. Is she still in, in that ward there at, um, uh, mass gen or is she having to do some other work there? 
No, she's still there. Um, okay. You know, they've had some kind of COVID exposure, um, kind of some overlap, but she was, you know, she was lucky, I guess, that she was able to kind of stay where she was mm-hmm. through, all, through all of it. Yeah. And when she is coming home from the hospital, is she doing the normal frontline worker routine and throwing all of her stuff right in the laundry and yep. getting right in the shower and all that right in the shower, no touching right in the shower, all the stuff in the laundry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, that is the routine these days. <laughs> yeah. I, um, my nine to five, I manage an animal hospital. So right. I've been doing it the whole thing. We've been, you know, from the get go, we were essential business. So I, yeah, I go, right through my garage and throw my scrubs in the laundry and make my mad dash to the shower. Hope hope nobody's looking in the windows. And yeah, my kids, my kids at the front end were like, what are you doing? And now they're, they just yell, hi daddy. I'm running by as a streaker. This is our new normal. Yeah. Yeah. So with everything that's, that is starting to, open up what are what are your feels on uh some of the stuff that has been kind of bandied about in regards to the mlb season restarting i think the goal is to play um i in my in my gut i think it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um i hope it does just because i miss it you know we all need we all need it um so but I really don't know, you know, I really don't know. And it's, um, it's beyond my, it's beyond my pay grade, but yeah, I yeah. think the hope is that, you know, we'll be able to play, you know, in a limited way and that, you know, we'll be able to shoot it in a different way, kind of in a distant way, but yeah, I, that's the hope anyway. How do you feel for, um, cause you're close with a bunch of the player. I mean, pretty much everybody on the team or whatever what are your feelings for those guys because i'm i'm not trying to get too much of the tea from you and i don't want to get you into any trouble depending on what your thoughts are or whatever i know i will say like i've always said from the get-go if you are able to look at players like mike trout in the face and tell them without any reservation you don't have to worry about your newborn baby you don't have to worry about your parents that are of a certain age or anything like that like you are going to be 100% safe and there will be no issue as you coming back to playing um then i'm cool with it but otherwise like if these guys are you know putting themselves at risk and all there's so many you are one of the people there are so many different tentacles to the um octopus of baseball <laughs> i don't think that's yeah, a good it's a good one. nobody's ever described it like that and they probably yeah. have to be very careful if they say those words but um you know it's it's hotel workers it's yeah. there's so many different people that are involved and so um i'm curious like are do you have any hesitation or anything like that or feel for the players as they are talking about the different ways of doing this. My only thought is, you know, having, I, I know the players well, I work with them every day during the season um, and over the off season quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing you got to realize is they're people, 
you know, and sometimes they, it can seem like a totally different world uh, when we're looking at professional athletes, but they are people who go through the same things that you and I do. Yeah. And like you said, when it comes to their family and their kids and their safety, like it is a legitimate thing. And, you know, I definitely understand if there are hesitations because end of the day, like there are people just like we are who have the same, you know, (laughs) nobody's like immune to this virus, you know, in this situation. And so uh, it's a really complicated issue. And I I don't know, like I want to play, but I understand, you know, I understand if there's hesitation hundred percent. So it's a tough, it's a tough one, man. Yeah. It's really tough, you know, could go either way. Yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday. Like I think about it many days, but the decision that is like on the heads of the owners and the commissioners of, of all the different sports and having to, think about all the different lives that are involved as well as thinking about all of the people who are desperate to have this bit of normalcy back in their life. Um, and you know, have this entertainment that is so such a big part of their normal life right now is I, I can't imagine being the people trying to make that decision. So you and I are lucky we're not the commissioner of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Though I have some ideas. But okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that I'm not the commissioner of baseball. He's got a lot of pressure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I I know when I've talked about it with other people like it's the one, well, I mean, aside from like golf and tennis and something mm-hmm. like that, like it is the one of the major sports where I could see them potentially being able to do it. And, you know, everything else is so like, how do you play basketball and not get concerned about social distancing or whatever? I know, I know. I (laughs) I mean, any of those things. I think you're right. You know, I mean, relatively, there's not a whole lot of human to human contact in baseball. So there is a, there is a chance, I guess. Yeah. You know, I heard somebody say something like that in one of the things they read of rules was there was going to be no spitting allowed or mm. something like that. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, I did watch only one game so far of the Korean baseball mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting to me because even when I'm watching like movies and TV shows right now, I have to turn off my brain really quick because immediately part of me is like, you, you can't hug them. Why are you hugging? Totally. You guys are way too close in the Korean baseball. I was noticing one guy that hit a home run and how many people didn't get close to him. And some of the people that were like bumping elbows and then some of the guys who were actually high-fiving without batting gloves and like the very different kind of feel to it, but they're doing it. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, I think the the world is looking at that league right now and seeing how it goes, you Mm -hmm. know, but they are doing it, like you said. So it gives us some hope, which is, uh, which is what we can ask for, what we want to ask for. So yeah. 
before we like kind of close down, I will ask you, I was thinking I should get some kind of lightning roundy things together. Cool. So as for me, when I was doing concert photography a lot more and such, I was hired to do a few of the Dave Matthews band caravan shows that they did some years ago, like I think in maybe Oh six or something like that. And it was really cool because there were so many bands that were there and, you know, I was traveling for this and I know one of the members of the band. So that was kind of my end, but like when I'm seeing some of, you know, I'm backstage with some of these different artists and everything. I, I was having to, be conscious about my, these are just guys. We all put our pants on the same way. You know, these are the guys and the girls I should say. And like trying to not get into a, I am a fan mode or anything like that, which is also a little bit different because of how much I love a lot of these bands that I'm shooting and whatever. Mm -hmm. What was some of that like, for you as being a big baseball fan when you are working with the players and the teams so closely, was that difficult for you off the front end or not? It was always on my mind for sure. And especially when I started, it was like inside, I was like freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. Cause all of a sudden I was standing in the locker room at Camden Yards of like the team that I had grown up watching. Yeah. And it's like, what, how did this happen? You know, but <laughs> I was always so, so focused on doing a good job that I was always, it just, I knew, I don't know why nobody told me, but I knew to just keep it cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And over time I've become much more like conscious about it and kind of thought about that approach. Mm-hmm. But like at the beginning, it was just like, just trying to keep it cool and not screw up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, definitely thing. And that's, it's actually something we look for when we, uh, when we're hiring people is that, is that question, you know, like you walk them through the locker room and see if they steal like, or smell anything or ask for an autograph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the camera really helps with that because it is something like, that you are having that constant remind for me, I don't use neck straps. I Mm -hmm. I'm strapped in um, on my hand with a strap. And so it is impossible for me to forget what I'm doing or why I'm there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that camera definitely helps you remember, like I am here to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're holding it to your eye, it's also creating a little bit of a block as opposed to like, if you're a, I don't know, a chalk sketcher of (laughs) of athletes or something. I don't know. Yeah. And they, if they see you there and you've got the camera, you know, they know what's up, you know, they know what you're doing. You're not just standing around looking at them. You know, yeah, yeah. You got a clearly defined role that's obvious to somebody who's there, you know. Like, yeah. Okay. He's here to take pictures. <laughs> yeah. So with some of those guys that you are working with, jumping forward to like you're working with the Red Sox and everything, were you 
feeling like a lot of the full access helped you during game situations where you're like, okay, I've already spent time with these people. Like I know who Big Poppy is now. So as he is delivering this ridiculous walk-off Homer, like I'm excited while I'm shooting it, but I'm not freaking out as much as I may be because you already kind of have that relationship. Totally. But I will say it's something that you have to earn and you have to, you have to kind of develop and nurture over time. Oh, sure. Like when I started, I didn't know any of them, you know, and it took Mm -hmm. me, honestly, it took me probably five or six years into the job to figure out that like you need to develop the relationships with the players, develop that level of trust. And that in turn gets you better results. Yeah. And that is a process that takes time, you know? And so like, it's always like a challenge with the new guy. Like if we do a trade or we have a new guy that comes in or a rookie that comes up, it's like, there's no relationship. So there's, it it takes, it takes a while to get that really good stuff because Mm -hmm. you just gotta keep going and, and, you know, get them to the point where they feel comfortable having you around in any situation. And there's been plenty of times, even with guys that I've known for years that they've told me they don't want me there. And yeah. you try and not take it personally, you know, and you just respect their, their space, their boundaries. And so it kind of ebbs and flows, but you do have to kind of earn that, uh, that access. At least that's the way I look at it. It's like, you, just because you have the badge that gets you in the door, doesn't mean you can go in, you know? Right. So, yeah, totally. I, I, uh, I'm just thinking about different examples that I totally experience that. And it does sting when you like know somebody or whatever, and you are wanting, you're feeling like I should be documenting this mm-hmm. and they don't see it that way. And you're like, mm, okay, totally. I respect you. And the thing, you know, the thing that I'm always trying to communicate is that, it's not even just about right now, you know, right now you may not want this, but mm-hmm. like, look at the last dance. If you've been watching that, like with MJ, like, you know, years down the road, this stuff is going to be important to you and it's going to be important yeah. to the team and the history of Boston. And, you know, you try and kind of pump that in to, to their way of thinking a little bit is that it's not, there's a, there's a greater, like, purpose to all this rather than just like me being there to be there and take pictures like it there's a this is going to really take on value like as the years go by and you're not playing anymore or whatever you're going to have this amazing record of what you did it's a balance you know yeah i have that conversation with maternity Mm. photos Mm. with moms Mm -hmm. uh, many times because they Typically, there's a lot of pregnant moms who don't feel attractive Mm -hmm. and don't really, even if they signed up for them when they first got pregnant or two months in or whatever, you get to that seven month to eight month time frame and they're like, no, this, I do not want this at all. Mm -hmm. And I've always said, like, my, conversation with some of the people who are a little bit hesitant off the front end is I, as a person in my forties, I have one single picture of 
my mom when she was pregnant with me and mm-hmm. she's like in a she might as well be in a uh, sleeping gown or something in a living room and she's just standing there as somebody took a picture <laughs> it's nothing special whatsoever and i'm bummed like i wish i there were more pictures of my mom as she is carrying me and as me as a newborn with her mm-hmm. and these are very special photos for you and for your kid when they are older and that doesn't mean that you only do it with the one child either if you are having right. multiple kids you are doing it for them as well and always been one of my i don't do the baby in a sling hanging from a branch yeah. in a tree kind of photos for newborns I, that's just not my gig and i always kind of say the same thing of as a 30 year old or 40 year old, I would rather see like my parents holding me in my room or like me in what was my first crib or bedroom setting or with my parents, as opposed to thinking, why the hell am I sleeping in a canoe right. <laughs> wrapped up in a spider web or whatever, <laughs> whatever photos. It's a great, point. yeah, it's a great way of thinking. It's, um, you don't always think, so far in the in the future when it comes to photos you know you're always mm-hmm. thinking about how you look now and how you don't like the way you look or whatever but uh yeah down the road you know the stuff stands the test of time so yeah and your kids aren't gonna look people aren't gonna look at you in that way or whatever and no no right they just want to see you for whatever you are yeah you know yeah yeah and i love all the different pieces all the different video pieces that they have done post season that you've kind of talked about different photos um, that you took and the different videos that are going up on your Instagram and on the Red Sox Instagram, where you're kind of giving a little bit background on the photo as well. What are some of the prize prize favorite photos that you've taken over the years? So I love this one that comes to mind is um, <laughs> Ortiz, David Ortiz getting dunked with Gatorade. And then uh, yeah. there's a, um, a Nesson reporter, Garen Austin, who's right next to him, who was doing the interview, just getting absolutely crushed by the, <laughs> by the Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like this bright blue Gatorade. And she just happened to be in this like white lacy dress and, it was just the perfect like scene and her face is like uh, amazing as she's getting crushed with the Gatorade. So um, we actually just came up on like the four year anniversary of that photo. So that comes to mind Oh wow! Uh, (laughs) really quickly, but 2018, like the moment, you know, that they won the world series, um, got like sale and Vasquez and David price and all the guys, you know, running out for the initial uh, moment. That one means a lot to me just because it was like, you know, they'd won the world series, but I had kind of led the photo staff for the first time that year. So, Mm. you know, it's kind of the culmination of my first year of, of work in that role. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a, you know, there's a couple other ones that I've got a nice portrait of Benintendi in the green monster, kind of with the streaks of light inside the green monster, um, Mm. kind of like some streaks of light coming down. So, you know, there's a couple out there. I don't know if I have any that are like favorites, but I'm always trying to make a good one, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So 
I'll uh, I'll put some of those in on the website for you guys to check out at daddyunscripted.com. I'll put some uh, with your permission, of course, yeah, Billy. Absolutely. I'll link some of those cool photos. I would actually purchase a coffee table book of Garen Gatorade dowsings. <laughs> There's so many good ones. I've got a I've got a good collection brewing so maybe it will be a book one day (laughs) they're so good and i remember that one because that was one of the few times that she wore white right (laughs) especially after that she definitely started catching on to the fact that not only are they going to win a lot of games um but there's going to be a lot of gatorade pourings yeah totally totally no that was uh that was a good one for sure Hanley definitely enjoyed getting her. Maybe a little too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, you could see he loved when she was there for him to be able to douse her. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, well, I will let you give us all of the ways that we can find you on um, social media and your website and your YouTube page. So why don't you tell us where we can locate Billy Weiss? Sounds good. It's like there's so many different like <laughs> platforms now. You have to like yeah. spend like five minutes listing them all. All right. So uh, my my portfolio is www.billyweiss.com. It's a good kind of overview of my work for photo um, and video. Um, you can follow on Instagram and Twitter and now TikTok. Oh, uh, at BJ Weiss twenty two. And YouTube, my my newly created channel is Billy Weiss. So cool. each one offers kind of a different end product, um, but they all kind of have some some fun stuff up there. Yeah, cool. Well, I will put all of those places for you guys in the show notes again and on the website for you to be able to find Billy. I I can't say enough like you guys definitely need to check out his photography and his work if you haven't already I know I texted one of my really good friends uh, Joe Bruzo before I started this and said you'll never believe who I'm about to talk to and he um, he loves your work too so I know that there's tons and tons of people out there that follow you that maybe are sitting around paging through their stuff while they're listening to this right now so thank you for coming on billy again i am going to be waiting and watching for when you guys are welcoming your um, first child to your family so i can have you on again (laughs) to talk about your dad and becoming a dad and all that good stuff i look forward to it thank you so much tim appreciate it yeah Oh, what a great conversation. What a great guest. I'm so honored, grateful, and just I'm so happy that this was able to happen. Again, tremendous thanks to Billy for coming on and being part of the podcast. I feel kind of weird saying it that I'm watching his watching close, not that closely though. I, okay. 
I'm just monitoring and I will be very excited when he and his fiance decide to grow their family. Like I'm not being creepy about it. It sounded very weird the way I said it and I felt kind of odd, but I'm excited. I literally, because of my podcast, and I'm sorry that I used the word literally there, but it is the real usage of that word. When I think of somebody as a potential guest for my podcast, I am immediately checking to see if they are a dad. It is one of the first, if I don't know them well enough to know that they have kids, it is one of the first things I've always looked up. And sometimes I'm disappointed and say, ah, shoot. And that's one of the great things about we're here alone together, that it enables me to talk to people like Billy, even though they're not a dad and kind of break my own rules. I'm kind of bending them on those. Sometimes I break them. Sometimes I bend them. But you guys find Billy on social media. Again, BJ Weiss and it's W-E-I-S-S 22 on Instagram, on Twitter, find his website, look at his work, send him a note and tell him how much you love this conversation that we had. I think that would mean something. And that would also tell him, hey, you should continue doing these podcasts. And definitely like, I think that will be cool if he gets some of that feedback from you guys of, I'm going to thank you the same way that Tim did. I'm glad that you did his podcast because I got X, Y, and Z out of it. Fill in the blank for yourselves. I won't tell you what to tell him. But one of the ways, another way that you can do that is subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you are listening to podcasts or whatever app you're using. Subscribe to Daddy Unscripted. And hey, why don't you take it an extra mile with this little bit of extra time you may have right now and leave me a review and a rating That would be pretty cool. And you can put in that review, hey, I loved Tim's conversation with Billy Weiss. That's what brought me into his podcast and I'm going to listen to it now or something like that. I don't know. But either way, for any of you that are new to the podcast, thank you so much for coming to listen to this episode. I do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. For those of you longtime listeners, thanks for the continued support keep telling people about this podcast. Again, I will thank Umphreys McGee for letting me have their music in the podcast. Check out umphreys.com for what is going on with them as things continue to slowly kind of open up in our country and we start to see like, are there going to be concerts anytime soon? Who knows? But you are always able to find stuff from Umphreys because every single week they are streaming different things, whether it's the full band or members of the band. Again, Thank you, Billy. My hat is off. And thank you to the Red Sox organization for giving him the license that they kind of give him for allowing him to not be cookie cutter and to provide us with amazing storytelling imagery of the sport that so many of us love. It really does. Like I, again, 100% sincerity and honesty in the things that I was saying to Billy in our conversation. So thanks again, Billy. And I'm slowly like working my way through the organization. Kind of, I've got Ryan Dempster on, I've got Billy on, I'm making my way to some of the rest of you. So like Brock Holt, 
I'm ready for you, man. I'm ready for you to be on the podcast. Some of the rest of you, I'm ready. We're ready to talk about daddy stuff and sports stuff and talk about your lives. I kind of wish I I say Brock Holt and he's not even a Red Sox anymore. So yeah, but um, I'm still working through that, obviously. But Jackie Bradley Jr., all of you other guys, but I'm ready for any of you Red Sox players. I felt like this was the time during this that I would be potentially able more to like reach out and get some athletes on. Maybe I need to make another big push on that. I think that's what I'm going to do. So thank you, Billy, for inspiring me to do that right now as I'm working through my mind of the entire Red Sox roster and how many of those guys I would love to talk with. So for everybody, the next episode should be within the next week, really, because I'm recording so many of the what episodes right now, as well as some of the Daddy Unscripted episodes that are being recorded and I'm still editing through. So you should be able to come back and expect another episode within the next week. So thanks again. Appreciate all your guys' support and love. Again, you can reach out to me on social media. Daddy Unscripted is at Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Send me an email at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, what guests I should have on, what people you know that I should have on, etc., etc. And we'll continue to try to build this up to be something very entertaining, informational, inspiring, and all of those things for you guys. So be well, take care of yourselves, be kind and loving to other people. Let's just keep that ball rolling. It's so important and so meaningful for all of us. Oh my goodness. Okay, I almost forgot something that I say in every episode. Very important, especially now. If you are struggling with things that are going on around you in your own world. Look, a lot of us are still in some kind of sheltering at home, whatever that means to you. If things are really bad and you feel like you need to reach out to somebody at a much higher level, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. I have a Google Voice number for any of you to use at any time. You don't have to give me your name. You don't have to tell me anything. Sometimes you just need to say things, and you don't need anybody to do anything else but listen. If you do want me to reach back out, then leave me your number. I will absolutely reach back out to you in a safe way or via email or whatever. But that Google number is 872-444-6784. So you guys have that number. I wanted to make sure I put those. Those will also be in the show notes. And that is the end of all of this. Thanks, you guys. 